Let me start off by saying that I'm a 30-year-old male from a small town in Kentucky, and the story happened about four years ago. We're one of those small towns where you have to go to the next city over if you ever want to shop at Walmart or something. So I went to the city, which is about a 45-minute drive from my house. I was going to hang around the bar and hopefully meet a nice lady to have some fun with and just spend the night in a hotel. If I had known how that decision would have ended, I would have just stayed home. So I'm at the bar drinking my fifth or sixth beer, and a lady had actually approached me, which was cool with me, because it saved me the effort and possibly some humiliation from striking out. She was pretty, and she seemed somewhat intelligent, and from the sound of it, she just wanted to hook up. She said that she lived right down the road, and I figured that would be better than paying for a hotel. Once again, good fortune on my part. So we took my car and went back to her house, and I spent the night there. Well, the next morning, the first thing she said to me was that I owed her $40. Well, the night before, while she was showing me around her home, she was also showing me her very large gun collection. I believe that somebody in an occupation like that should let somebody know in advance so they don't rack up a bill before getting hammered with this shit. But to each their own, I guess. And I really didn't want to take the chance of pissing her off at this particular moment. I mean, it's the dead of winter, and it's going to take my crappy-ass car some time to warm up and defrost. So I then tell her, okay, I'll pay you the $40, but I have to go to the ATM first. We'll go pick up your car and use the ATM at the gas station next to the bar. First of all, I only had like $4 in my bank account, so I knew it wasn't going to end well. My car defrosted, and we drove to her car, so it could be defrosting too. The second that she was in her car starting it up, I sped the hell away from there, thinking that she wouldn't chase me with her windows like that. I was wrong. She was right on my ass. Whenever I sped up, so did she. We actually reached speeds of around 90 miles per hour right in the city, and not a single cop was to be found. I even ran two red lights to shake her, and I then drove home as fast as I could. With her being a gun lover and packing like she was, I do sometimes wonder what would have happened if I would have stopped at one of those red lights. I also want to make it clear that I would have never intentionally picked up a hooker. This could literally happen to anybody. Be careful with who you spend your time with at a bar. And as always, stay safe. I'm an 18-year-old female, and the story happened when I was around 15. Back then, I lived in a small town with my mom, my stepdad, and five of my younger siblings, all under 14 years old. At this time, I was very troubled in many ways. Depression and a major anxiety disorder made life hard for me, which led to me being easily manipulated and such. I had a friend who I'll call Jenny for the sake of the story. Me and Jenny had known each other for a bit over a year at that point, so we were pretty close. So when she called me at around 1am on a summer night, I picked up, staying quiet so I wouldn't wake anyone else up in the house. She was really surprised that I had answered her at this time of the night, and she asked me to come to the shop nearby. She was bored and she wanted some company, 
and she was with her older brother who had already had his driver's license. I, for some odd reason, agreed, a decision that was very out of place for me. After all, I avoided social situations at all costs at that time, but hey, I was dumb back then. Sneaking out wasn't really something I had ever done before that night, but I managed to leave without waking anyone up. I met Jenny and her older brother, and we went driving around the small neighboring towns and blasted some music. Then, her brother had this amazing idea to go and get one of his older friends who was about 27 years old, if I remember correctly, and go and hang out at this one spot at the forest. So we went. As we got there, it was pretty dark, even though it was summertime. I had my phone with me, and I was from time to time making sure my mom hadn't woken up and seeing that I was gone and freaking out. We then had an idea to play hide and seek, or Jenny had the idea, and we went on. I ran into the forest and I then hid behind this huge rock, not that far from where Jenny's brother was counting to 40, and I then heard running footsteps coming from the direction where I'd come from, only to see Jenny running, looking freaked out as fuck, and I then stood up trying to see what was going on. Jenny ran to me, and she then quickly managed to tell me that while she was trying to find a hiding spot just like everyone else, there was a strange man that had started to follow her. She first thought that it was her brother's friend, but it wasn't, and she just started to book it. I looked into the woods trying to see if I would see something out of place, only for Jenny to scream next to me and then point to my left. The man was now very fucking close to us to the point that I could literally see some of his features. We then started to run deeper into the woods. The woods were pretty deep, but after some time, there would be some houses, and later on, a small town. We ran, not caring if we were followed, because it was super strange for some grown-ass man to be following some teenage girls in the woods in the middle of the night. We ran until we could see some houses. Frantically, we went and knocked on the door of this one house. An older woman opened the door just a few moments later. Seeing us two freaked out teenage girls, she thankfully let us in. She gave us some ice water and she asked what happened. Trying to catch my breath, I tried to answer her, but I was pretty much about to have a panic attack. After some time, we told her and her husband what had happened and that a man had followed us into the woods. The woman looked very worried. My legs were all bloodied up since I had fallen over whilst running, since I was wearing some old sneakers and I had tripped, and she helped clean up my legs and bandage them. They let us stay for a bit before they offered us a ride to see if Jenny's brother and his friend had left, because at this point, Jenny and I had realized that we had left them there. Of course, they were grown men, but we didn't know if the guy that was following us had a weapon or not. As we arrived at the parking lot where we had left the car, we saw that the car was gone now, and then we had the older couple drive us to our homes. We were very thankful to them since both of them believed us, and I do to this day believe that that man didn't have any good intentions if he caught us. As the older couple dropped me off in my house, I thanked them once again. They were so kind to us even though it was super late at night when we had ran to their doorstep. I said goodbye and I wished them a good and safe drive home. As I entered my house, I could see that everyone was still sleeping. 
I then went to the bathroom to take a shower. My mom was waiting for me as I exited the shower, and she asked why I was taking a shower. I lied to her, and I told her I just got super hot and couldn't sleep. Luckily for me, she was barely awake, and she didn't see that my legs were all bandaged. After that night, me and Jenny kind of stopped being friends, but I heard through her brother that he and his friend had left when they tried to look for us but couldn't find us. I now live in a different city, and my family still don't know about this, but I'm not planning on telling them either. So yeah, if any of you also happen to go to the woods past midnight, please be careful. The story is about a ghost town of the Illinois border. The story takes place on the border of Illinois and Indiana, just a few miles before you cross into Robinson. For some context, my job as a moving driver takes me all around Indiana locally and sometimes out of the neighboring states. This is one of the days where I had traveled outside Indiana. As easy as the job for the day was, I got sent in a small delivery box truck by myself to Robinson, Illinois. The trip was around a 300 mile round trip, totaling five and a half hours. So to me, I was gonna be getting off early that day. Solo rides are pretty boring and tend to drag out though. So I was using my phone for music as well as GPS to keep me entertained on the way to the delivery site. About an hour and a half into the drive, I started to get out into the country parts of the highway, where service wasn't all too great. So unfortunately, my music wasn't able to stay on, and the radio was pretty much static on all the good channels. At this point, it was a lot of driving in silence down a highway of cornfields, before my GPS then instructed me to turn down a country line road instead of remaining on the main streets and highways. This was a bit weird to me because usually crossing state borders is always faster when you stay on the highway. But to me, the GPS knows best, and I didn't really think anything of it, just thinner roads closer to the Indiana cornfields. At this point, I did lose all service though, because I was pretty much out in the middle of nowhere, besides the occasional houses, trailers, or barns that you normally see on the backcountry roads. So my GPS was the only thing I could get to work. Thank God for that, at least. I was approaching my destination and was only around 30 to 45 minutes away when I came to a fork in the road that had a house in the corner selling pumpkins. Passing that was a warehouse with a lot of John Deere equipment out front, and after that, a body shop. This will be important for later. Passing all these things up, I kept down the beaten path for probably another 10 miles before I then came to a four-way stop in one of those really old towns that you usually see in every place you go. I think you know what I'm talking about. Old brick buildings and gas stations that barely look functional, something straight out of a backwoods horror movie, but it felt a little off to me. I'm not sure why, but I was just really anxious for some reason. Turning from the four-way to continue following my GPS, I was looking around at this town and it only really consisted of four to five ranch-style homes that barely even looked inhabitable. There was a brick building with the words barbershop painted across it, and then some other rundown brick buildings that I assume were shops. No cars, no people, and no animals. I mean, literally nothing. 
there was no sign of life for this two-mile stretch of town. This isn't too odd. I mean, towns are abandoned all the time, but this was just creepy. So I just kept on through until I came across two buildings that really threw me over the top. On the outskirts of the town, there was this big colonial-style house covered in vines and a vegetation yard that seemed kept up, but not in a super nice way and just seemed like a home the wrong kind of people own because they don't know how to do any upkeep. And second, across the stretch, an old dilapidated church that looked to be built in the early 1800s. I'm talking Salem Witch Trials level of aging. It had pentagrams spray-painted on the windows and a graveyard on the side of it with a fence around it in pieces. But judging from how the building looked, I assumed it was abandoned terrifying nonetheless, and after passing it, something happened that I can only describe as paranormal or straight from a book of ghosts and demonic presences. It started with my cheek getting extremely cold out of nowhere, only my cheek and nothing else. Then an overwhelmingly strong sense of fear and anxiety rushed over my entire body. After that, I began to smell something really horrible it was pugent for at least a mile after I passed that church. I was in a panic because I'm a firm believer in the afterlife and ghosts, so I called my significant other to talk me down, and we just ended up laughing it off before I hung up because my phone was almost dead at this point, and I really needed the GPS to get back. It was probably another 10 minutes before I came into contact with any other building or signs of life with actual people in it. I passed by a big sign for the running sheriff of the town, a water tower, and then finally, the Illinois border. After that, it was business as usual. Completed my delivery, signed the paperwork, and organized my truck, then left to go back home. I reversed my GPS so it took me the same way because it was the fastest, and in the back of my mind, I was thinking about the town and how it's going to suck to drive back through it. But with my phone dying, I had to follow the same way in case it died, and I'd have to just wing it to get home. It was within the first 45 minutes of the whole two and a half hour drive, so it'd be over sooner than later, right? While on the way, I was passing all the usual stuff that I made mental notes of. The Indiana border this time, the water tower, and the sign for Sheriff Bobbitt, and then through the town and onto the county road that took me to the four-way. I still wasn't playing any music to conserve my phone battery. I was just driving and looking at the sights for a while. Then I realized something. Peeking out the window, I had spotted the body shop that I had passed earlier that day. I was puzzled at first, and I thought it might have just been a different one, until I double-checked myself with the warehouse selling all the John Deere equipment, and then pulling up to the fork in the road. I had a stop sign of the way, and I chose to go from the fork, and I looked out to see the brick house, the one selling pumpkins. I sat at the stop sign for a minute, and I flicked back through my GPS. I know that this road led to a four-way. That's where the town was, right? I've recognized everything here from before it and after it. Did I just zone out and not pay attention? Flicking through the GPS all the way back to the border, I realized that the county road in the fork takes you straight to the Robinson border. No turns needed. 
Not a single four-way turned into the direction of the town I did my delivery at. Nothing. I thought maybe I just mixed up my locations. So I continued all the way back, looking for any possible place that was close to what I saw. But nothing. All the way back to the highway, not a single thing looked close to what those buildings looked like. I finally gave up, but I did panic a little bit on the way home. Nothing ever happened on the drive home that resembled those feelings. No cold cheeks, no horrible smell, nothing. Just a lot of fear from seeing something that I don't think anyone was ever meant to see. So if you ever find yourself coming down County Line 63 by Prairie Creek, and you find that fork in the road, please pass the four-way that follows a couple miles down the road if that's there for you. Be careful out there. This happened almost a year ago, and I've only told a few people about it. But for some reason, I found myself thinking back to it a lot lately. I was walking home from Walmart. It was close to 10 p.m. Our town is tiny and uneventful, and every establishment apart from the couple of 24-hour convenience stores close at no later than 11 p.m. So usually at this hour, there aren't very many people out. That night, however, as I was walking, I suddenly heard what sounded like a man and a woman yelling. It was coming from a parking lot a little ways up in the direction that I was walking. I couldn't make out anything that was being said yet, due to still being a relative distance away, and I initially presumed it to be an average verbal dispute. As I got closer though, I quickly realized it was far more serious than a mere lover spat. The man was repeatedly shouting threats and derogatory obscenities at the woman at the top of his lungs, and the woman in turn was screaming at him in an extremely anguished tone to leave her alone. I had no doubt that the man was attempting to harm the woman if he hadn't already done so, and I then quickly dialed 911. By this time, I was close enough to the parking lot to where I could be seen by them if they happened to look in my direction, so while on the phone, I kept my voice down and I tried to outwardly mimic the body language of being in a casual phone conversation. This guy undoubtedly came across as the retaliatory sort, and if he knew I was calling the cops on him, I could be his next target. Because their screaming continued during the phone call, the dispatcher heard it and rightfully picked up on how serious the situation was. I described my location to them as concisely as I could, and within minutes, two police vehicles arrived. One was a van, and the other was a standard squad car. And the time between the phone call and the cops arriving, the people had walked away from the parking lot that they were initially in, and they then crossed to the other side of the street, and they began walking towards another parking lot a short ways down in the other direction. When they reached the point of being directly across from me, the woman looked at me, made eye contact, and then pleaded, Please call the cops! I gave her a quick, subtle nod, and made a slight quick gesture with the phone in my hand to assure her that I was doing exactly that. She seemed to get the hint, because immediately after I did that, she then screamed, Your ass is going to jail! at the man. It turned out that the parking lot they were heading towards was where the woman's vehicle was at, and she had been trying to make her way to it, but the man kept following her. This parking lot was where the cops met up with them. 
I, of course, continued to stay at a safe distance on the sidewalk that I was already on on the other side of the street. The cops first interrogated the man, who loudly argued with them and tried to play off the situation as a heated verbal dispute. With how much he raised his voice, I could make out of most of what he said even at the distance I was at, and he essentially claimed that he had recently broken up with her for cheating on him and that she kept following him. I stood there just thinking, yeah, uh, this is such bullshit. I really hope the cops see through it. There were three officers on the scene in total, and two of them stayed with the man, while the third went over and talked to the woman. Now, she spoke much more softly than the man, so I couldn't really hear what she told them. But apparently, it was very damning, because the next thing I saw was the man getting cuffed and then put into the police van, which then drove off. My guess would be then he was being taken in for questioning, at the very least. After the third officer finished talking to the woman, she was able to get in her vehicle and drive away safely. This assured me that at the very least, she was in stable enough condition to drive steadily, which I was relieved about. After she left, the third officer walked over to me, and he asked if I was the one who called them. I then confirmed that I was. He asked me a few more questions, such as if I knew either of the people personally. I didn't, as well as any other details I could recall, and then they took down my info for records. I remember continually thinking to myself that I very likely saved that woman from being severely harmed or possibly even saved her life. Like I said earlier, few people were out at that hour in our town, and if I hadn't happened to be walking home from Walmart right at that moment, who really knows if there would have been anyone else around to intervene. I sincerely hope that woman was able to stay safe from him and is also in a better place in her life these days. Hey everyone, I really hope you enjoyed this video. If you ever want to share your own story, send it at southerncannibal.com. And remember to always stay up.